Well, good morning, Grace Way family. Pastor Ed here, and this morning I am excited because uh, I get to review with you our readings from this week. We went from John chapter 15 through 17, and man, that is some of my favorite sections of Scripture. Uh, so 15 through 7, really 14 uh, through 17 are these uh, really uh, intimate, uh, close times that Jesus is sharing with his disciples where he's instructing them and giving them final preparation uh, for his departure. He's about to be arrested. This is all uh, what he shared with them following the Last Supper that he had with them. So the meal ends, Judas goes out, and then we go on with chapter 14 through 16, and then into 17, uh, we see what Jesus' last interactions with his disciples were before he was arrested. And so um, some really special things that we find uh, from from this section of scripture. Now, 15 and 16 that we read this week are really these final uh, instructions and preparations, kind of Jesus teaching about the disciples and their relationship with him and the Father. And then in 17, uh, the same thing kind of follows, the same kind of topic follows, only he changes the, the orientation of it a little bit. We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, I wanted to read the first few verses of John chapter 15 and, and highlight some of the things that uh, are worth taking a closer look at. So it reads this way, John 15, 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear even more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. For I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in them, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. You know, in this section of scripture, like many other places, Jesus is using the imagery of uh, within creation of a tree, of, of vines, in order to teach the disciples the truths of God. And this is one of those things that is just amazing about God's creation. Everything in the world around us points us to God. We can learn about him through the lessons that are taught to us simply by observing creation around us. It's like we're living in the middle of one big object lesson, and just by opening our eyes, we learn the characteristics about God. All of creation, the Bible says, all of creation declares the glory of God. And this is why we find, you know, in, in Romans 1, I think it's 20, where it says that no one is without excuse because everybody is in the middle of this creation, which points us to him. It's all around us. And, and, and Revelation is just, just screaming at us, look, look at your creator. Look at who made you. Look at where you came from. And we can learn about him by just observing this world around us. And here is a couple things that we learn from John 15. Verse 1, to reiterate, says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, he cuts it off. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear even more fruit. So here's the bottom line. Uh, everybody's going to get cut. 
<laughs> it's kind of just inevitable. At some point, some way, somehow, everyone is going to get cut. But but there's a good side of this too. Like you actually get to choose how that's going to play out. You get to pick how you're going to get cut. <laughs> you're either going to get cut up or you're going to get cut off. That's what Jesus is teaching in John chapter 15. <laughs> you know, he said, for the branch that does not bear fruit, the one that doesn't bear fruit, well, that means that's a branch that is not receiving nourishment from the vine. That means the thing that is being offered to it, it has turned it back, its back from, sees no value in that, and then is just living separate and apart. And really, there is no use for attachment. There is no attachment there. He says, the branch that does not bear fruit is going to get cut off and removed because it finds no value in that relationship anyway it's not receiving the nourishment now on the other hand though the branches that do bear fruit it says that they are going to get pruned they're going to get cut and so the idea is now they can become even more fruitful you know this process of of pruning if you may be familiar this process of pruning is you take a branch that is healthy and that is producing fruit and a lot of these little offshoots, these little twigs that grow off to the sides of that main branch, they take nourishment and they take energy and sustenance from the main branch in order for these little little offshoots to develop. And so the idea of pruning is you're coming and taking off those little twigs and those little side shoots so that there is no energy and nourishment being stolen away from that main branch, which is feeding the fruit. And so he says, if you're fruitful, you will be pruned so you can not only stay fruitful, but become even more fruitful and receive all that nourishment that you have from the Father goes directly to things that are eternal, things that are going to last. But this idea of being cut up or cut off, like these are like two complete extremes. And it kind of gives us this idea of like, hey, it's, it's either all or it's nothing. We've been given this free will, and so we have a, the ability to choose, but we've got to make the choice because it's in or all out. You know, Revelation 3.16, Jesus is addressing one of the churches, and you remember, he says to them, I'm ready to spew you out of my mouth because you are lukewarm. You're not cold over here, and you're also not hot. But it's something that I, I put into my mouth and it, it's, I can hardly even keep it there because it's just, it, it's not tolerable. And so it is, there is this sense of, you know, we've got to make that decision. And to not make a decision is actually to decide and revert to the out because we haven't made a decision for. Deuteronomy uh, 30 is a section of scripture where Moses has completed 40 years of leading the Israelites through the desert. Now they're on the border of the promised land. And Moses was not going to be able to enter with them. He was about to leave them. He was about to die. And he knew that this was going to be his final address to those Israelites that he spent 40 years leading. And I want to read to you uh, some of the words from his final address, because it's a very similar idea to what we find here in John 15. He told them this, See, I have set before you today life and good and death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land that you are entering to take and possess. But 
If your heart turns away, if you will not hear, but you are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. This is Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 to 18. It's either in or it's out. God wants us. He has a plan for us. He wants to remain with us. He has chosen us. He, this is his desire. But we have to choose him back. We have to remain with him. We have to want him back and receive the nourishment that he has. He's like, look, at, I have life for you. This is what I want for you. This is what I created you for. And to abide in him is to accept that life that he created us for. So this is John 15 and then goes on in 16. Now I want to highlight something in 17. Because really, in John chapter 17, it's only slightly different from chapter 15. You know, 15, we're, we're, re we're reading about abiding in him, remaining in him, staying connected to the vine. And in 17, it's really that same concept. But if you look closely, uh, it is just framed in a different way. It's framed in the form of a prayer. It's directed to the Father. So he turns his teaching now into a prayer and he prays through it. And so take a look at John 17 and let's look at a couple of these scriptures. In John 17, 16, Jesus prays to the Father, Lord, sanctify them in the truth because your word is truth. Here's the pruning process. The Father prunes what is fruitful to make it more fruitful. This is the process of sanctification as we walk with the Lord and he removes things from us that draw away, that distract from what the eternal things that God is doing in our hearts. He pulls away these things that take, would take our attention off of really the heart of the matter, the purpose of our being and our existence in our life. Verse 18 of John 17 goes on. And Jesus prays, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Here's the concept of the father is the gardener who plants the vine in the garden. And from that vine comes the branches. It's Jesus who was sent into the world by the father. And through Jesus come the, uh, the Christ followers, those who are restored to relationship with God. It all comes from him. Going on, look at John 17, 21. In verse 21, he says, he's praying that all believers will be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. Abide in me, that I might, and I would abide in you. And 20, verse 22 goes on, and it actually says this. Jesus said, these are his words, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, to believers that they may be one even as we are one. Now here's this idea of the branches receiving the nourishment from the vine. Everything that the branch needs in order to produce fruit, it receives from that main vine. And so do we. Everything that we need to live a fruitful and productive and, uh, and fulfilling life, we receive from Jesus Christ. This is, uh, this is how... Uh, our interaction with him works. He has all that we need. It's all in him. And now, like he said here, he gave us the glory that God gave him so that we can 
abide in him and with one another. And he goes on to reiterate that I and them and you and me, that they may be perfectly one. Imagine this. This is a hard concept to even grasp that we would be perfectly one so the world will know that you sent me. Now, this also reveals something to us about our culture, I think, as, as a community of believers, our culture as Christians. You know, if we are not united as one, as Jesus prays for us here in John 17, if we're not united as one, as he is one, that is not because we're lacking what we need from God in order to make that happen. Like in order that for, for, for that to become a reality to us, we're not missing what we need because he clearly said, I gave them the glory that you gave me so that this could happen, so that we could be one. And so the question becomes, do we believe what Jesus said is true? Do we take his word for it, that we have the glory and he really did pass that glory on to the believers and to future believers so that we could accomplish that, that, that uh, oneness that he prays for. Because the fact is, we have what we need. We have the resource that we need in order for this to become a reality and an experiential reality, not a spiritual reality, a concept that we believe and something that we will see one day, but an experiential reality here and now. And so if this is something that we're missing and we are not living and experiencing this level of unity that Christ prayed for and empowered us to accomplish, then it's only because we are neglecting to tap into what God gave us, the resource, the power that Christ has given us. This is how he wants us to live. He gave us everything that we need to do it. And if it's not happening, then it's only because we are not making full use, not leaning on him, leading into him, and, and really using what he's given us. And so this kind of what wraps up the whole teaching in these few chapters here is this. All these things are fulfilled. Everything meaningful, eternal, purposeful in life is fulfilled in this one concept that starts John 15. Abiding in Jesus. And by abiding in him, we receive the nourishment, the fruit that he intends for us to bear is born as a byproduct of the relationship that is remaining and strengthening between us and Jesus. And yeah, we will go through that pruning process. And as uncomfortable as it will be in those seasons of pruning, we know that it is for our own good, and we know that it is only going to make us even more fruitful and cause those things to come out from us that are going to bring greater glory to the Father. And so this is my encouragement for each of us that we would keep on, keep working and being mindful and intentional on this, on this uh, concept of abiding, abiding in Jesus moment by moment. And even as we go on with our walk with him, that we would be able to recognize and catch more quickly those times where we begin to kind of get, get pulled away, get distracted uh, by whatever circumstances come our way and would want to pull us away from this sense of abiding. But we would recognize it more quickly, give it back and offer it to the Lord and recenter ourselves 
in him, remaining and abiding in, in all things. Well, with that, I will um, pray us out and then pass it back to your groups for your discussion. Well, Jesus, I thank you so much that you have offered the whole of yourself to us. I thank you for the life that sustains us, your life that you've given us. And I pray that you would help us not only with awareness, but with strength to remain abiding. May we be an abiding people, Jesus, that rest in you. And through all things, and even through the pruning process, even through that cutting process of, of having those things removed from us, that we would be able to sit still, to abide, to accept it. We love you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>